Welcome to the Lighthouse Community Podcast. Thank you for joining us today. We hope today's teaching will encourage you in your faith and help you develop an increasing desire to walk with God. Let's listen in. Well, welcome to Lighthouse this morning. We are so glad that you've chosen to join us here in the house. And uh, for those who are joining online, we're just grateful for everybody that's here this morning. Uh, We are in a series called uh, Focus, Resisting the Drift Away from Jesus. And today we're going to be talking about this topic, Jesus is Greater Than Moses, from the third chapter of the book of Hebrews. As I was thinking about this topic, my mind started running to a number of conversations I've had with people over the years who have drifted away from their churches. Uh, One lady I met in seminary, she told me that she didn't drift away. She ran away. She ran away to save her life from the crushing obligations of her church. And I'm thinking, man, that is a lot of emotion to be feeling about a church. Another woman I talked to said that she was still recovering from her church. And she listed the same kinds of things that had been going on in her church that the other woman had mentioned. But the conversations that kind of grabbed my attention the most strongly were a number of conversations I had with my mother in the latter part of her life. We spent quite a bit of time together uh, in her uh, rest facility near the end of her life, and and we talked about all kinds of things. Um, I learned this. My mom had been tangentially associated with this church when she was young. By that, I mean she went on Christmas and, uh, and Easter, you know, just hardly ever going to church. Sometimes we went to church when I was young, and we went to a church that I would say uh, was full of traditions. It was a church that was very casual about what the Bible is, right? In fact, I would call it this. I'd call it a, a social club where they sometimes talked about God. That's the kind of church that it was. But later in her life, in her 40s, uh, she began going to a Bible study with a couple of women, just a small group, where they would study the Bible together. And she believed. She heard the gospel, and she believed. She remembers the Holy Spirit drawing her to God. She remembers that feeling, you know. And uh, her response to that was that she prayed to confess her sins and ask God to save her and to come into her life. Uh, This is what we talk about here as saying yes to Jesus for the first time, believing the gospel and asking God to forgive us of our sins. So she began going then to a new church, okay, the church, I guess, where these ladies were from. But unfortunately, even this new church where uh, she'd heard the gospel, right, um, they were mixing what the Bible said with all kinds of religious traditions and obligations, different ones than before, but nonetheless. So instead of heart change, what she was learning was uh, like kind of a religious self-help project the things that she was supposed to do and the things she was supposed to say and the way she was supposed to act. The Bible became just a list of ideas and facts and information to learn. But she said her heart was cold. And she never really found peace with God in that process. Somehow, she had completely missed the whole idea that the Holy Spirit would enter a person's life at salvation and and change their heart. Okay, changed them completely. And instead of finding rest, what she was finding was anxiety. 
Instead of finding peace, she was all upset on the inside as she thought about her faith. And so she became a church hopper. Do you know what that is? A church hopper? Kind of going from place to place until she found a place where uh, she kind of fit in and she felt comfortable with friends in that place. If there's anything that I've learned in the last 14 years after I kind of reached that point of crisis of faith, trying to figure it out clearly for myself, is that God is not far from us. The Bible isn't a book of facts and information to understand as much as it is a pathway to knowing God. That's what the Bible is. One of the unfortunate results of my mom's life was that as she reached the end of her life, uh, she was fearful about whether she actually knew God. She's in her 90s and asking those ultimate questions. Instead of peace and contemplating being with God for eternity, her heart was in turmoil. She was asking this question. How do you know the difference between knowing God and going to church with lots of friends? How do you know the difference? She was asking me that question at the end of her life. After starting with genuine faith, In sensing the Holy Spirit drawing her to to God, um, she never really found rest. She never really found peace in her relationship with God. Now, the book of Hebrews addresses very clearly the kinds of questions that my mother was asking. Uh, The context indicates that the people, the Hebrew people, were uh, naive in their faith, going back to basics, and they they were thinking about returning to their old religious traditions. The Bible uh, says in Hebrews, it says that that was the kind of people who were listening uh, to this book as it was written. In response to that, what Hebrews says is this, focus your life on truth. You know, focus on Jesus. Don't focus on the old religions of the past. Hebrews starts this way. God has spoken to us through the ages, through the prophets. One of those prophets was Moses. But in these last days, like right now, the days we're living, he has spoken to us through his son. Jesus is called the word of God, the one uh, who is divinity draped in uh, humanity, who explains God to us in exquisite clarity. If you've seen Jesus in the pages of the Bible, you've seen God. Jesus is God in the flesh. And this is what's important about that. Uh, Jesus continues to speak to us today through the active, living Word of God. It says that right in Hebrews in chapter 4, verse 12. Once we really understand who Jesus is, our focus shifts away from tradition and religion, from that shadow Okay? And it focuses on something that's alive, rather than something that's dead, something that's sterile, something that's, that just doesn't do anything. Faith is not just intellectual. Faith is it's personal, and it's real, and it's, it's life-changing. There's hope, and there is peace of heart in genuine faith. Eternal life is not knowing about God. Eternal life is knowing God. This week, we're diving into Hebrews chapter 3. Jesus is greater than 
Moses. The plan today is very simple. We're going to read through the passage. It's longer. It's like 19 verses. We're going to read through that carefully together. And then I want to come back and dial into three truths that we know from Hebrews chapter 3. The goal today is actually to do together what the passage invites us to do, to listen carefully to the words of Jesus. <clears throat> now, chapters 1 and 2 provide the context for chapter 3. Pastor Fritz kind of walked us through that in the last two weeks. Who is Jesus? This is God in the flesh, divinity in humanity. Um, this is the one who died for our sins, the one uh, who's greater than angels. Don't drift from this, is what the author says. Don't be ignorant. Bring all of this into focus and understand clearly who Jesus is. Now, that's the background leading into chapter 3. And this is what we read in chapter 3. It begins this way. And so, in light of everything that Fritz talked about the last two weeks about Jesus, in light of that, dear brothers and sisters who belong to God and are partners with those who are called to heaven, brothers and sisters who belong to God. What a warm greeting, isn't it? He's talking to, to Christians, people who call God their father. This is what he says. Think carefully about this Jesus, whom we declare to be God's messenger and high priest, for he was faithful to God who appointed him, just as Moses served faithfully when he was entrusted with God's entire house. But Jesus deserves more glory than Moses, just as a person who builds a house deserves more praise than the house itself. For every house has a builder, but the one who built everything is God. Moses was certainly faithful to God's house as a servant. He were, his work is an illustration of the truths of God that would be revealed later. He's saying there that Moses points to Jesus, things that would be revealed later. But Christ, as the Son, is in charge of God's entire house, and we, Christians, are God's house. God indwells us. If we keep our courage and remain confident in our hope in Christ. That is why the Holy Spirit says, Today, when you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts as Israel did when they rebelled. When they tested me in the wilderness, there your ancestors tested and tried my patience, even though they saw my miracles for 40 years. And so I was angry with them. I said, their hearts always turn away from me. They refuse to do what I tell them. And so in my anger, I took an oath that they would never enter my place of rest. Wow, those are strong, strong words. Be careful then, dear brothers and sisters. Make sure that your own hearts are not evil and unbelieving, turning you away from the living God. You must warn each other every day while it is called today so that none of you will be deceived by sin and hardened against God. For if we are faithful to the end, trusting God just as firmly as when we believed, we shall share in all that belongs to Christ. Remember what it says. Today, when you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts as Israel did when they rebelled. And who was it that rebelled against God, even though they had heard his voice. Wasn't it the people Moses led out of Egypt and who made God angry for 40 years? Wasn't it the people who sinned, whose corpses lay in the wilderness and to whom God was speaking when he took an oath 
that they would never enter his rest? Wasn't it the people who disobeyed him? So we see it was because of unbelief that they were not able to enter his rest. That's a long passage, and I feel like we should pray together as we jump into uh, talking about the text. Let's pray. God, I feel like uh, there's a need to be silent before you just to, to take in the weight of this text and to hear what it is you're trying to tell us. I confess that I like to go my own way and do my own thing. I recognize that's a tendency, and I need to be pulled back. I see that. It feels like an enormous warning, this passage, a warning against turning away and having a hard heart, yet there's, there's great hope here, too. There's great hope that we can hear your voice in the pages of Scripture. There's great hope. The warmth of the greeting catches me. We're called brothers and sisters, family members of Jesus in the heavenly family. That warmth catches my heart. So I pray that you'd help us today. I pray you'd help us with our unbelief. Help us to know what's true, to be discerning about that. We pray that you'd help us to see Jesus in this text. We pray all this through Jesus. Amen. So the first truth today from this text is this. Jesus is greater than Moses. Jesus is greater than Moses. Why does the author make that point? That Jesus is greater than Moses. It seems obvious to me that Jesus is greater than Moses. And the other question that runs in my mind is, why would anybody ever want to go back to the teachings of Moses and to the events of Moses' life? I think to get inside the Hebrew mind in the first century, we have to think back a little bit about the Old Testament and what's true in the backstory of Moses. There are about 800 uh, references to Moses in the Bible, New Testament and Old. There's a lot written about this guy. For instance, he was born at a time when Israel was in slavery to Egypt. Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, had made a decree uh, of infanticide against all Hebrew babies. That's the time he was born. But God had his hand on Moses from the very beginning. In fact, uh, the Egyptian women, you know, the midwives, they, they cared more about what God had said than they did the king of Egypt, right? And through this miraculous turn of events, Moses was saved from the infanticide that the king had planned. And he actually was raised in the, in the home of the daughter of Pharaoh by his own mother. Only God could figure that thing out, right? You might remember the story of God speaking to Moses from the burning bush. Remember, he reaches forward and, and he hears God calling to him in words, Moses, Moses. And Moses responds, here I am looking into this burning bush that's not consumed. You might remember other conversations that Moses had with God. You might remember this one. Who am I to stand before Pharaoh? He tells God, and God says, uh, I'll be with you. And then Moses replies, Lord, <laughs> I'm not very good with words. And God replies, uh, who makes a person's mouth? <laughs> and then Moses ends his argument with, please, just send somebody else. I don't want to do this thing, right? But God had chosen Moses to lead Israel. Hebrew people would probably remember the plagues. They would remember uh, leaving slavery 
in Egypt and going through the Red Sea. They would remember the threats of Pharaoh against them as a people. Moses led the people of Israel in the wilderness for 40 years. He was their their leader. God met Moses on the Mount Sinai. Remember, Moses came down the mountain with the Ten Commandments, the law. This is the final summary of Moses. There has never been a prophet in Israel like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. Moses talked to God. Hebrews is written to Christians, Hebrew Christians, who might be thinking about going back to their old religious roots because it was probably comfortable. It was something that they knew. Maybe it was, maybe it was uh, romanticized a little bit. Maybe it was engrandized just a little bit. But they were thinking about going back to the old and ignoring the truth about Jesus. My mom's church had a copy of the Ten Commandments at the doorway where you enter into the sanctuary. Think about that for just a moment. But hear this point. Jesus is greater than Moses. Moses simply foreshadows the real thing. Going back to the old religious system is to miss Jesus. The very thing that the law and prophets focus on looking forward is is Jesus. And, And going back to Moses instead is to miss the whole point. I want you to think about the comparisons between Moses and Jesus for just a minute. Moses is a man. Jesus is God in the flesh. Divinity draped in human flesh. Moses had a mom and dad. Jesus was conceived by the Holy Spirit. Moses was a prophet. Jesus is the word of God, the ultimate revealer of God to us. Moses was a trusted leader of the people. Jesus is able to lead us to salvation. Moses died and was buried. Jesus rose victorious over sin and death. When we say that Jesus is greater than Moses, what we mean is this. Moses, the greatest prophet of all time, the leader of the people, the one who led the children of Israel out of Egypt, the one who brought the Ten Commandments to us. Moses simply points to Jesus. That's his purpose. The only one who can save us from sin is Jesus. No one gets to heaven by keeping the Ten Commandments. People only get to heaven by faith in Jesus, something that's much better. Hebrews is suggesting that we think very, very carefully about the reality of these facts. He does something for us that Moses could never do. He shows us eternal hope. When Jesus talked about Moses in John chapter 4, this is what he said. Do, you think, uh, do not think I will accuse you before the Father. Your accuser is Moses, on whom your hopes are set. If you believed Moses, you would have believed me, because he wrote of me. You know, Moses and the Ten Commandments, they point to our desperate need for a Savior. Not one person other than Jesus himself, not one person who has fully kept the Ten Commandments. We've all violated those, right? 
And knowing that we can't get to, to, to heaven by keeping the Ten Commandments actually turns our hearts to grace. Moses, he points us to Jesus. In the letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to the churches in Galatia, we see him confronting the Apostle Peter because Peter uh, was turning people back to old religious traditions, Jewish traditions. And his words are very, very sharp as he addresses Peter in this circumstance. This is what was happening to my mother, you know? Um, a church was substituting religious traditions for genuine faith and heart change. She was looking back to religion. She was asking the question, have I done enough to please God? She was talking about fake church is what she was talking about. Look at Galatians chapter 3 with me, beginning at verse 1. This is Paul writing to Peter. Oh, foolish Galatians, who has cast an evil spell on you? For the meaning of Christ Jesus' death was made clear to you as if you had seen a picture of his death on the cross. This is tongue-in-cheek. <laughs> Peter or Paul is saying this. It's like, do I need to paint a picture for you? What happened here? Jesus has died on the cross for you. Let me ask you one question. Did you receive the Holy Spirit by obeying the law of Moses? Of course not. You received the Holy Spirit because you believed the message you heard about Christ. How foolish can you be? After starting your new lives in the Spirit, why are you now trying to become perfected by your own human effort? Genuine faith is always marked by the presence of the Holy Spirit, not by how well we keep the law, the presence of the Holy Spirit. Then slide down to Galatians uh, 3, verse 11. So it is clear that no one can be made right by keeping, trying to keep the law. For the scriptures say, it is through faith that a righteous person has life. This way of faith is very different from the law. Paul is laying it out for us. Read that again. No one can be made right with God by trying to keep the law. For the scriptures say, it is through faith that a person has life. You could say eternal life. No person has ever been saved by God by keeping the Ten Commandments. That's what Paul is telling us. Salvation comes by faith. You know, this was true of Abraham who came before Moses. You can read about that in Romans chapter 4. This was true of Moses himself. You can read that in chapter 11 of Hebrews where it talks about people who are saved by faith. Salvations always come by faith. It's still true today. Every Christian from all time has always been saved by faith. Salvation is never earned by keeping the Ten Commandments. One conversation I had with my mom, I remember, was um, about the Old Testament law. And she told me, I think people in the Old Testament were saved by keeping the law. But in the New Testament, I think they're saved by faith, but I'm confused about how it works. That's what she had learned. When we say that Jesus is better than Moses, what we're saying is salvation from sin comes by faith in Jesus. That's what we're saying. Moses simply points us to Jesus. The second truth I'd like to talk about from this passage is that you can actually hear the voice of God. You can hear the voice of God 
through the pages of the scriptures. It's said twice in this little passage. I want to read it here again for you from verses 7 and 8. That is why the Holy Spirit says, Today, when you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts as Israel did when they rebelled, when they tested me in the wilderness. I'd like to just hold those verses up there on the screen for just a minute. And I want to talk about a couple things that these verses say, some maybe assumptions that are in these verses. Well, first of all, it's the Holy Spirit that's speaking, which means this is a quote directly from God himself. This is God speaking to us through the scriptures. This is what he says. The second thing I notice there is that you can hear the voice of God today. It doesn't say if. It says when. When you hear the Holy Spirit, you can, you can hear the voice of God through the pages of Scripture this afternoon. The final assumption that I see there is that it is a choice whether or not we harden our hearts toward God. We're called not to harden our hearts before God. It's a, it's a choice that we have to make. You know, sin is so deceptive. It's easy to live our lives and somehow miss God even when we go to church, even when we see the miraculous. Living in this fog, you know, that somehow keeps us from the reality of actually knowing God. That's easy to let that happen. My, in my mom's case, uh, she was substituting religion after she initially believed. She was substituting religion for heart change. That's what she was doing. For a long time, I remember uh, being really numb toward God myself. I was uh, pretty focused on business, right, in a career. Today, I would call that busyness, you know? Um, staying busy so, in such a way that I had very, very little time to even reflect and think about God. And it's easy. You know, we can figure out all kinds of stuff, whether it's family, whether it's church. You know, it can be, it can be just all kinds of different things that keep us from focusing ourselves on Jesus and what's true. The Bible is full of examples in the New Testament and the Old of people who saw miracles by God and remained numb to him and didn't believe. I would call it hard-heartedness. The Bible's full of examples of that. God speaks through the Bible and we are admonished by the writer of Hebrews not to let our hearts get hard. A hard heart is a heart that's insensitive to God. That's what a hard heart is. And so the contrary to that, a soft heart is a heart that recognizes and leans into the influence of the Holy Spirit. That's the difference between hard and soft. I want to build a little bit on what Pastor Fritz said last week about finding God in the Scripture and I want to do that just by uh, talking a little bit about the process of what happened to me as I was studying this passage preparing to teach about Moses, okay? Now, the first thing I did was simply to read Hebrews. It's only 13 chapters. In fact, we put that on the blue card to say, hey, maybe this church would read Hebrews together in community. And if you want to do that, you can check the box and just say, hey, I'm doing that right now just to read what God says there. But for me, I'm a pretty slow reader. So I read six chapters one night and seven the next, doesn't take very long, you know, just to, get the, just to get the content and to read through the book and understand what's said there. And then second, with pen in hand, I started to think about Jesus and what this book says about him. 
And a couple of the things that, that jumped off the page to me is this. Um, Jesus left the presence of heaven, the presence of God, to take on humanity to come into this world. How humbling would that be for God to take on flesh? Jesus uh, became both our high priest and the sacrifice, the perfect sacrifice to pay for our sin. There's a whole couple chapters that talk about that. Jesus gives us direct access to God in prayer as our high priest. We can walk into the presence of God and talk to our Father because of what Jesus has done for us. As I'm thinking about all this stuff I'm writing down, right, I would say the third level kind of happens to me. I start to, to look at these facts. I start seeing the enormity of what Jesus has done for me. And it, and it starts to draw, draw my heart toward worship. You know, as I'm seeing what God has said clearly, I can hear his voice in the pages of Scripture. I see what happened here, and it draws my heart to worship. Moses and the law can't save anyone. Salvation and rest come through Jesus. That's the only place you can find that. You know, resting in Jesus uh, is this. Instead of guilt, insecurity, and doubt, all those kind of things that get rolled up into religion um, is replaced by a sense of peace, a sense of the presence of God. You know, that, that easy access to, to prayer, that you can talk to God and he hears when we pray. And for me, worship isn't very far from awe. When I understand that I am a child of God, children of God stand together with Jesus as joint heirs of heaven. That's what the Bible says. You know, it puts me in awe as I recognize what, what Jesus has done for me, what God has done for me. This is very deeply personal, you know. I know God. I sense the Holy Spirit in my life. That's what we're talking about. Not old religion, but a relationship with Jesus himself. When you hear from God by reading the Bible, it changes you. Instead of fretting to keep the commandments the best you can, instead of that, you know, I find myself, my heart changing. I want more of what God wants. And some of the other stuff starts to fade into the background. And that's the process of heart change as God works in our heart by the power of his Holy Spirit through the presence of his word. Now, I was saved when I was age 12, okay? But my real journey to know God more intimately came about 14 years ago when I started to read the scriptures more clearly. I think the Holy Spirit had to get me to a point where I cared a whole lot less about work. That had consumed my life for 25 years. And uh, there's a point where you just say, you know what? This has a dead end to it. I also think uh, it happened because I was less concerned about the traditions of church and all that religious baggage that went with it. I kind of pushed that to the side. And, I, and, and to be frank, I think a sense of my own direction was coming clear to me saying, you know what? This is really leading nowhere. I'm working all the time and doing all this stuff, and I really want something remarkably different than that. All of that was kind of falling into the background because of this um, increasing light that said, you know what? I can know God like I see in the pages of Scripture and I've identified in the, 
in the presence in people that I know that had been changed by the power of God's Holy Spirit. I, I sensed the Holy Spirit drawing me to him as I was reading the Bible that year. It was a remarkable year. Kind of like one of those flags in the ground kind of year, you know? Lighthouse exists to help people in their spiritual journey. That's why we exist here. The Holy Spirit is saying this in the text. When you hear God's voice, don't become hardened against God. Become soft in your heart instead. Lean into what the Holy Spirit prompts you to, to, to hear and see and, and believe. The third truth for today is this. Unbelief will keep you from resting in God. Unbelief will keep you from resting in God. In verse 19, we see that because of their unbelief, they were unable to enter into his rest. You know, disobedience has its foundation in unbelief. You know, we don't trust God, and so we don't care what he asks us to do. It's all based on unbelief. But interestingly, that passage does not say that they failed to enter his rest because they didn't keep the Ten Commandments. That is not what it says. It does not say they failed because they didn't live moral lives. It says they failed because of unbelief. They didn't enter the promised land. I think that points to today, okay? Unbelief still keeps people from entering rest with God. You can call it quenching the Holy Spirit. You can call it uh, making the Holy Spirit sad by the way we live. And whether you call it quenching, you know, pouring cold water on his influence, or whether you just think, put it out of your mind and do something else. The reality is this. If we do that long enough, our hearts get hard. And pretty soon, we can't discern his voice at all. I am grateful that God kind of woke up my senses in 2009 when I started thinking about this much more clearly. I heard a statistic a while back about non-believers who attend church. And what the statistic was is this. If a non-believer attends a church that teaches the gospel, the longer he resists the gospel, the less and less likely it is that he will believe until the probability comes down to zero. And the reason for that is hearing truth and resisting it ends up in a hardness toward God. Did you know that a person could have walked across the wilderness, the desert, where Moses wandered in about seven days? It just isn't that big. They wandered there for 40 years. They wandered there for a lifetime. God showed himself regularly to the people through miracles that the people could see. And yet, an entire generation died there in the sand. That's the story of the wilderness that these people were thinking about going back to. Don't go back to tired religion. Instead, the antidote is to believe, to reach forward toward Jesus. Moses points to something radically better. He points to Jesus. <clears throat> the antidote to unbelief is faith in Jesus. The pathway is to stop resisting the influence of the Holy Spirit in your life. 
to make a decision. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing comes by the word of God. You might ask the question if you've been at Lighthouse very long, why we talk incessantly about Bible reading plans and why we always talk about family groups and studying scripture and community and why Fritz had eight points on how to study the Bible and six points of this and nine points of that and four points of something else. Why do we continually do that? Well, it's for this reason. If you engage the Bible and you seek God, chances are you're going to find God there. Your faith is going to mature, and you're going to find the rest that you crave. That's what's going to happen. If you have questions about Moses and the law and salvation, family groups, a wonderful place to talk that through with people who are on the same journey as you're on. When I think about my own struggles with faith over time, uh, one account in the Bible that gives me great hope, actually great peace when I read, is the encounter between, it's just a short passage, but Jesus talking to uh, the father of a child who is demon-possessed. And there's this conversation that goes on, and at the end, this man says this, I do believe, he tells Jesus, help my unbelief. I think that's a prayer probably most of us can pray at some time or another. God is not far. God is compassionate toward those who seek him. When you begin saying yes to Jesus, the result is a soft heart, a heart that's ready to know and rest and believe. Jesus is greater than Moses because Jesus gives eternal life to those who believe. I'd like to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. Jesus, what are you saying to me right now? We're going to sing one more song. And if you want to pray, you can slip out of your seat. We'll have prayer leaders in the front here and and some in the back um, to pray about any area of your life. You never need to be uh, embarrassed to pray, whether you're part of Lighthouse or you're visiting. Um, Doesn't matter how old you are or how young you are. Um, Everybody needs prayer. I need prayer. If you want to pray, um, I'm going to pray for us, and then you can slip out of the aisle and, and pray with a prayer partner this morning. Holy Spirit, I pray that you will draw every person this morning forward who needs prayer. I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks for joining us. If you'd like to learn more about Lighthouse Community, check out our website at mylighthousecommunity.com or connect with us on Facebook. You're invited to join us live Sunday mornings at 909 or 1111. Thanks again for listening to the Lighthouse Community Podcast.